2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Next Sunday is our, obviously, our missions emphasis, and we're going to have our banquet then on Saturday. And what we're looking at, what we've been looking at for the last three weeks is uh, giving. Now, I know that when we talk about giving, uh, very easy for us just to kind of slip into a place where what we're doing is we're thinking, oh, no, here we go again. More money is being asked of us. This morning, I want to encourage you with your giving. I want to encourage you with the results of giving, because the results of giving are wide and far-fetched in our lives. They're enormous. Uh, Giving changes us. When we come to the place where we're no longer just taking, we're giving, it changes us. And obviously, one of the areas that that's going to be uh, most keenly uh, seen in our lives is this area of giving to missions. You see, missions is not about what goes on here. Missions is about uh, God and his reaching the world with the gospel. And all the money that comes in, as far as missions are concerned, uh, is to that end. And so as we look at our giving, I want you to get, please try and remove the idea of this is just the church looking for money. I realize everybody's looking for money from you. Um, But this is between you and God. Uh, And uh, that's the first part of it. God is pleased with it. The second part of it is, though, it does something in your life. And anybody who gives consistently and regularly will tell you that. Anybody who gives, listen, it does something to you. It just changes you. It turns, turns your life around. It gives you a whole different perspective on life. All right, so let's read our, our verses. We've got 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're reading verses 6 <clears throat> through 8. Well, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudging or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let us pray. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word? Would you help us, Lord? Uh, Lord, we're looking at an area that's, uh, Lord, fraught with difficulty for us. But Lord, may we see you, may we see your blessed spirit, and may we see your plan for reaching the world in this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me give you f- some principles, first of all, in terms of giving. Um, <clears throat> grace giving begins with giving yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, we're, we're dealing here with the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church were, were poor as church mice. That's, that, that's basically what it says. It says they were, they were poverty-stricken. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, but from their poverty, they decided that they wanted to give an offering. And so they told Paul about this offering they wanted to give, and and they encouraged him. In fact, they they pleaded with him to come and take the offering. But their giving was not out of what they had. It was really out of what they had not. Now, I'm glad for that, aren't you? Because what that does is that, 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 that helps us. It's not a case of us getting to the place where we're rolling in it. And then we'll be able to give. Because if we wait till we get there, we, we'll never actually be able to give. Um, I read a quote by uh, J.D. Rockefeller. And he said this. He said, <clears throat> he would never have been able to tithe on the first million he made if he had not tithed on the first week's work he ever did. And the tithe on that was $1.50 for him. But he would never have tithed on the large amount if he hadn't tithed on the small amount. He would never have given. If he was waiting until he got to the million, he would never have given. And we need to understand that, that really, you know, what we're looking at in terms of giving is we're not looking at, I'm going to have a huge impact. We, we like to have an impact on things. We like to, we like to give so much that it, that it kind of has an impact on it. That's really not the issue. We're looking at giving to God. 
when it comes to your tithe, if your tithe is 50 cents, that's this and that's fine. God's going to be pleased with you giving your tithe of 50 cents. You say, but it's not nothing. It doesn't make any difference. It does to God. And it will to you. When it comes to giving as far as um, um, <clears throat> missions are concerned, you, you, you may say, well, in all honesty, Pastor, there's not a lot I can do. That's fine. Do, do what you can do. Get involved. Do something. Because what we're looking at is we're looking at the idea of giving to missions, and it's not based upon what we have. It's based upon the fact that we first give ourselves. The verse there in front of you says, And this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. See, when we give ourselves to the Lord, we want to please him. When we give ourselves to the Lord, when it comes to uh, missions and it comes to the other areas of life, we want to do it. We're not being forced to do it. We do it because we want to do it. You see, love produces a giving spirit. And that love relationship with him produces that. And see, because they had given themselves to the Lord first, then they, they, they wanted to give, right? Second one, grace giving is an important commitment. Now, I want you to catch this. Every, next week, we will pass out slips for you, right? For you to fill out for the year. And before 2008, a lot of the slips used to come back in again. But you know what's happened since then? What's happened since then is uh, the slips are falling away. Now, you give. That's why we take up the, the, the offering once a month on a Sunday. But here's what you do. You're not going to commit because you're a little bit scared about the way things work out financially. So you, you'll give, but you're not going to commit as far as giving is concerned. Now, <clears throat> look, listen, if that's what you've got to do, that's what you've got to do. But let, let me just give you some. Let's first read the verses here, and um, <clears throat> then I'll say a, cu- a couple of things about it. Um, and here and I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it that as there was a readiness to will so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Right? Here's the thing. <clears throat> when it comes to giving it's good for us to make commitment and then to perform the doing of it. Now why is that? Several reasons. First of all, do you realize that most of your money is committed most of my money is committed. You know, the ESB does not make me ask a commitment at the, for, uh, at the beginning of the year. What they say is, you use the electricity and you pay for it or we shut you off and life will get very uncomfortable in your house, all right? Um, you know, the rent has to be paid, the mortgage has to be paid, uh, the, maybe a payment on your car has to be paid, your, your petrol or diesel has to be paid for, and there are things in your life that you are committed to paying. And if you leave it as far as the Lord's money, uh, to the end, and you see what you have left over, I guarantee you there won't be much left over. And in all honesty, is it reasonable that we should put our giving to the Lord at the end of the pile? So I would ask you to make a commitment. Second thing is this. If you make a commitment, you're much more likely to take it seriously and, and, and to follow through on it. Isn't that true? When I make a commitment, I look at it and I say, well, this, this, is, what I'm, this is what I plan to do, this is what I'm going to do. And it kind of it gets up there as far as my giving is concerned, as far as my, um, <clears throat> you know, what I plan to do is concerned. So I would ask you to make a commitment. Now, I'm not going to force you to make a commitment, I'm not interested in doing that, but I would ask you to consider it. Lord, would you have me make a commitment this year? Even though it's a little bit uncomfortable, even though it means I've said I'm going to do it and now I have to do it, Make a commitment on it. <clears throat> I think it would be a help to you if you make a commitment on it. Um, 
Grace giving should be bountiful. We just read it in this verse. Uh, but this I say, <clears throat> he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, how many of you like paying, paying taxes? Nobody. Not interesting now. Um, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't really ask you whether you want to pay taxes or not. And here's what they do, uh, what, what people do, what everybody does, is they pay as little tax as possible. And that's perfectly legitimate for you to actually, you know, not, not evade taxes, but to pay as little as possible, pay as little legally uh, as is required of you. That, that's, that's perfectly reasonable for you to do. That's because it's a tax. And it's been taken from you whether you like it or not, and, and we don't like that. Now, sometimes we look at our giving to the Lord as though it's a tax, as though we have to give it. And that really gets the wrong end of the thing going in our mind. It's not like that. I mean, I said it to you before. Listen, God's work will not collapse because you don't give. It won't. It's not going to collapse. In fact, God's work, work won't be hindered at all. Hudson Taylor said this, that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. When, when it's God's work, it's always going to happen. It's always going to continue. God's going to see to it that it continues. Now, that's not to say that what you give is not important, because it is. It's important to, uh, to what God is doing. But <clears throat> here's, here's the thing for you to understand. He doesn't need to extract it from you like a tax. He wants you to give. He wants you to give cheerfully. He wants you to be in the place where you want to give, and he wants you to give bountifully. Now, now here's what that means to me. We're looking at a new year as far as missions giving is concerned, right? And um, I could just say, well, you know what? I think last year was a good year. You know, I made a commitment and I fulfilled the commitment. I think this year I'll just go with the same commitment again. But you know what? The Lord has grown me in the past year. And I ought to be able to do a little bit more this, this coming year. And we ought to look at it. We ought to be bountiful. We ought to be looking at our budgets, really, and, and seeing how much we can possibly give. It ought to get to the place where it's exciting for us. Not where it's something that we just have to do. Not where it's a tax that's been extracted from us, but where it's exciting to us. Now, I, look, I understand. You're, you're, you know, you've got all kinds of problems, issues, and difficulties as far as money is concerned. And I understand, you know, oh, thinking about this. But this is not like any of the other expenses that you have. This is money that you give straight to the Lord. It's between you and Him. It's your heart to His heart. And, you know, it should not be something that we put the squeezes on because nobody's demanding it of us. Because nobody's ever going to demand it of you. It's between you and the Lord. We ought to look at it and think, you know, how can I please the Lord and bless him in it? Number four, grace giving should be joyful. Uh, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, that's our commitment, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth, a cheerful giver. Right? Now, God loves it when you enjoy giving. Let's say you're married, and it's your anniversary. <clears throat> and your wife phones you up and says, remember, it's your anniversary today. That's early in the morning. And then at lunchtime, she phones you up and she says, remember, it's your anniversary today. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she says, remember, it's your anniversary today. And at 5 o'clock, just when you're on your way home, she says, remember, it's your anniversary today. And so at 5 o'clock on the way home, uh, you pull into Littles, and you buy a bunch of flowers, and you bring the flowers in, and you say, happy anniversary. <clears throat> right? Now, did you enjoy that? Not much. Did she enjoy that? Not much. Why? Because it was just a sense of duty. Right? It was just a sense of duty. You did it because, man, there was going to be murder in the house if you didn't do it. <laughs> 
That's, listen, there's no fun involved in that. Now, uh, we'll, we'll say you're in a different kind of a day. And listen, it's your heart and your desire. You want to please your wife. And, you go, and maybe, maybe it doesn't cost you any more than a bunch of flowers did. But you do something that is from your heart to please her. You know what? She's thrilled with that. And you're blessed by that. That's blessing all around. Now, when it comes to our giving to the Lord, it's not a tax. It's something that we do to please him. I think if you get the picture of yourself on 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 a Christmas morning with a toy that you know your child wants and it's going to be a blessing to them, something that's going to be just just what they wanted, and you're sitting there watching them tearing the paper off the parcel and you are twice as delighted as they are. That's what our giving should be like. It should be a blessing. It should be joyful for us to give. Uh, Giving, uh, the grace giving should be joyful. We we, We should... rejoice in it. It should be something that makes us happy. You know, now you got to get out of the taxation scheme to get to that place. You got to come to the place where, now hang on a minute, this is me giving to the Lord. This is me being a blessing. This is me pleasing Him. Number five, grace giving is dependent upon God to meet your need. Now, here's, here's what we're going to do. If, if I ask you to do out your budget, right, for, for the year, I, I know there are some of you here and you can say, well, I can do it with these and there's this amount left over. But, you know, there are a lot of you, and if you do out your budget, probably maybe the, the higher proportion of us here, if you do out your budget for the year, you're going to say, well, look, you know what? There's just not enough money. I'm going to have to cut cars to make it work. It's not like there's a surplus. It's not like, you know, I've got a lot of money in the bank that, 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 that really doesn't matter to me. Things are tight. You know, I'm looking at this year, and I'm looking at, you know, how, how am I going to make ends meet? Never mind. Give to missions. You know, and... Here's what we need to see this as. We need to depend upon God. Verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, here's the way it always works with God in every area of your life. God asks you to do something. Typically, when God asks you to do it, you can't do it. If it's worth doing, you really can't do it. And so what God does says, God says, listen, you do it, and I will enable you to do it. That's grace living, never mind grace giving. You know, when it comes to changing yourself, you get saved and there are issues in your life, and you look at them and you say, I can't change this. God says, but I want you to change it. And you say, but I'm not able. God says, well, trust me, I'll, 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 I will enable you to. And he enables you to change it. So you get difficulties and problems in your life, what God says is, I will enable you to actually change it, to deal with it. And God's great at doing that. He's able to do that. But what he wants you to do is he wants you to step out first and depend upon him. And then he meets you in it and carries you in it. That's the way God works. If, if it were anything less than that, the Christian life would be something that was doable by people. And it's not. It's something supernatural. It's doable by God through people. But he asks you to step out and to trust him and to give yourself in it. And then he's going to t- carry you uh, and enable you. Now, here's what God is asking you to do. He's asking you to give to the cause that's closest to his heart. That is missions. And then he's not to carry you. Now, a couple of provisors. They don't be ridiculous and promise something that you can't uh, <clears throat> actually do. Promise something that your faith won't al- allow you to do, right? You know, we can have that, uh, the um, slip come through and I, I could write a million euros on it, right? 
Well, I've never seen a million euros. I don't know that I'm ever likely to see a million euros all in one place. Yet that's pretty unlikely that I'm going to actually do that uh, week by week and month by month and actually see that happen uh, next year. There's a reasonableness about this whole thing. You know, I'm going to look at what I have and I'm going to trust the Lord for it. And Lord willing, next year you'll be able to trust the Lord for some more. But you're going to trust him to actually work through you to give more than you can give. More than you can give. It's going to be uncomfortable. But what you're doing is you're looking at the promise to be fulfilled in your life that God's going to actually meet the need in your life. Now, this is where faith comes into it for us. Because it's very easy. You know, if I had the money in the bank, it'd be very easy for me to go across the hole in the wall, draw the money out and kind of uh, put it on the plate. It doesn't cost me a thought. But faith comes into it when I come to the place where I'm saying, now, hang on a minute, this is uncomfortable, this is tight. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it, but Lord, I need you to come through for me. I need you to enable me in this year. I'm trusting you to do that, Lord, which I can't do myself. Now, <clears throat> when you get on that ground, you are on holy ground. Because it's faith that pleases God. And when I step out by faith and trust God in that area, God is pleased by my faith, and it builds my faith incredibly. I've read lots of biographies of great Christians. And in so many of them, what I'll see is, I'll see somebody who purposefully put themselves out there in the place where if God didn't meet them, they were finished. If God didn't meet them, if God didn't take care of the need, they were finished. And God swept in and God met the need and God took care of them. That's the application of faith in your life. This is one of the easiest places for you to apply faith in your life. But it's between you and the Lord. But you've got to work out, listen, I'm depending upon God to meet my need. So, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm giving with joy to the Lord and I'm saying, now, Lord, I'm depending upon you to do something this week. I'm depending upon you to meet the need somewhere in my life. And that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the fact that, listen, Giving produces reaping. That's a principle all the way through Scripture. Giving produces reaping. So that when, I, when I'm asking you this, <clears throat> this year uh, to give as far as missions are concerned, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm saying to you. I'm asking you to give to God and depend upon God to take care of your need. To give to God and take, uh, depend upon God. Because everybody here can find, find lots of things that they should do with the money they've got. But I'm asking you to say, no, I'm going to give to God and depend upon God to take care of the need. Most of you know about the man George Mueller. George Mueller ran the orphanage and took care of orphans, uh, 2,000 orphans, and looked after them purely by faith. He committed to taking care of these kids, and God met the need over and over and over again. Great example of faith promise in, in the giving. But most people are not aware that George Mueller modeled himself on a man called August H. Frank. Now, August H. Frank uh, uh, founded an orphanage, an orphanage to take care of homeless children in Hall in Germany. And, and George Mueller actually went there to see the operation before he actually uh, established his operations. And Frank tells this story. He says, the story goes, one day when Frank desperately needed funds to carry on his work, a destitute Christian widow came to his door begging for a ducat, a gold coin. Because of his financial situation, he politely but regretfully told her he couldn't help her. 
Disheartened, the woman began to weep. Moved by her tears, Frank asked her to wait while he went away to his room to pray. After seeking God's guidance, he felt that the Holy Spirit wanted him to change his mind. So trusting the Lord to meet his own needs, he gave her the money. Two mornings later, he received a letter of thanks from the widow. She explained that because of his generosity, she had asked the Lord to shower the orphanage with gifts. That same day, Frank received 12 ducats from a wealthy lady and two more from a friend in Sweden. He thought he had been amply rewarded uh, for helping the widow, but he was soon informed that the orphanage was to receive 500 gold pieces from the estate of Prince uh, such and such. Uh, When he heard this, Frank wept in gratitude in sacrificially providing for the needy widow he had been enriched, not impoverished. Now, you say, oh, that's a nice story, just the kind of story you want to tell us when when, when we're thinking about giving. No, it's a true story. And it's a true story based upon a true principle that God takes care of you as you give. Now, you've got to get over the taxation idea in your head. We're not looking at a tax. We're looking at between you and the Lord, you deciding to give. You you deciding that you're going to be a giver and not a taker. All right, <clears throat> Scripture gives us four, it gives us many pictures. But it gives us definitely four different pictures that we're going to look at this morning uh, of this idea of giving, producing, reaping. Right? Now, I want you to look at first, um, <clears throat> turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. Because we'll just catch the whole story here. I'm not sure we'll have the, have the opportunity to look at the whole story on each picture. picture. Um, <clears throat> but look, 1 Corinthians 17 and verse 9. Elijah is by the brook Cherith, and uh, the, uh, the brook dries up. And in verse 8, and the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Are you there yet? 1 Kings 17 and verse 8 there, and then verse 9. Arise, get thee, th- thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there, because I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die." Okay, now, this woman is poor. She's destitute. She's looking at her last meal, and she's going to cook her last meal, and it's over. It's finished for her. By the way, the greatest giving doesn't come from the people that have it. The greatest giving comes from people who don't have it. It really is true. The greatest giving... The the, the figures are actually incredible. I think it's... um, For... Regular people in churches, the figure is 2.5% of their income is given. And when it comes to the very wealthy, it goes down to 1.7% of their income. Right? So don't, don't be looking at the very wealthy to give. Understand that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that you and I are going to do the giving. You and I are going to be the ones that are actually going to give. And so what we have is we have this woman who has absolutely nothing. And Elijah presents her with a problem. Here you have this full-grown man of a prophet. This guy who's God's man, and he comes to her and he says to her, make for me first 
Now, what are you going to say? Instantly, your reaction is going to be, listen, it's for the children. Instantly, your reaction is going to be, well, I haven't got enough. You know, all the excuses are going to come to your mind. And he says, make for me. And she's got a decision to make. Here's the man of God asking her to do something that really isn't making sense. So she's got a decision. And she's got to make this decision, not blindly. Because obviously this woman knows something about God. That's why God has sent uh, Elijah to her. Obviously this woman understands something about God. Uh, You know, basic to our our understanding of God is this, right? He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what's this, um, this, 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 this widow woman going to know? She's, gonna, she's, she's presented with a problem that really doesn't make very much sense to her, but she does know this. She knows that God is and that he's a rewarder. So what she's got to weigh up in her mind is, is she going to lean on her own understanding, which says, tell him to get lost and make the food for yourself and your son and eat it and die? Or is she going to say, now hang on a minute, God is a rewarder. I'm going to trust him and depend upon him. And I'm going to do what he's asking me to do. Now, she makes the right decision. She makes the decision uh, to give Elijah first. And look what happens. Um, Verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, here's what happened. She obeyed on that one occasion. And she said, yes. And what God did was God kept Food in her house all through the famine based upon that. The little that would make two cakes and then they would die became enough that it stretched out and out and out and they were taken care of all through the famine. And there was enough meal and there was enough oil to take care of them all through the famine. That's the way God works in our lives. God says, listen, commit to me. Give it to me. I know it's tough for you, but give it to me. I will take care of you. And the issue of faith is really this. Am I going to trust what I have in my hand to take care of me? Or am I going to trust in the living God to take care of me? Am I going to trust what I can do or am I going to trust Him? That's the issue. That's always the issue. That's the issue you're faced with right now. Are you going to trust what you can do? Or are you going to trust God to take care of you? And some of you here, if I asked you, you could say, Oh, listen, trust God, it works. He takes care of you much better. There was one, one man, I think, he, I forget the name of his company, but um, uh, he, he said this. Somebody said, said to him, how can you give so much? And he had given um, a, a huge fortune uh, to, to the work of God. And he said this. He said, well, it's easy. You see, I keep shoveling it out, and God keeps shoveling it in, but God's got a bigger shovel. <clears throat> now, you say that's prosperity gospel. No, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. None of these stories are about prosperity gospel. What we're talking about is God giving, you giving, and God supplying your need, God taking care of your need. You giving, and God's going to meet your need. That's the way it works. That's the way it goes. But you can hold back, and what you're going to find in your life is, you know what? When you withhold, it gets tighter. Look at the verse again. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. That's a bountiful return. Two cakes fed her through the famine. 
That's a bountiful return. Understand this. God asks you to be bountiful with him, but God will always be bountiful back. God will always give more uh, <clears throat> than he takes in the situation. All right, that's our first picture. Second picture uh, is Malachi 3.11. Now, turn, turn to the book of Malachi. Book of Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, just before the book Matthew. And fascinating book, what God is doing is God is reproving Israel for the things that they're doing wrong, and he will ask them a question, and then he answers it for them. I, I, I like it when he does that, right? But God's going to ask them a question, and then he's going to answer uh, the question for them. In verse 8, <clears throat> he says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, what's God, what's God saying to them? He's saying, listen, you have robbed me. You have taken from me. Now, what's the tithe? Let me just give you, give you real brief what a tithe is. A tithe is, the word means 10%, a tenth. A tithe is 10% of your income. 10% of your income given to God. 10% 10 of all that God prospers you with given to God. That, that's your tithe. You say, no, that, that's Old Testament. Well, to be honest with you, it starts before the Old Testament with Abraham, before the Old Testament law with Abraham, and it goes all the way through, right? Uh, really, in the, in the day of grace, for believers to say, no, I, I don't need to give a tithe. You know, listen, part of your income belongs to the Lord. And when you kind of get that across here and get to understand that in your mind, that's just the way it goes, it helps enormously with what you do with your money. It helps what you do with the rest of it. It helps you sort it out and everything. But 10% of all that God prospers you with belongs to the Lord. Okay, set it aside and give it to him. That's what's talking about the tithe here, right? <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> here, here's what God said. You, you've robbed me. Now, if I asked you, would anybody here ever think of robbing God? You'd say no. If I, if I said to you, would any of you think of putting your hand in the, in, in, in the bag and taking some of God's money out? You'd say, no way. Would never do that. Would never stop. Would never stoop that low uh, and do something like that. But you know, here's the reality. God says when we don't give Him the tithe, we're robbing Him. That's serious. I never want to be in that place where I'm robbing God. But that's what He's saying to Israel. Now, see what God does. God is very generous and very helpful and very kind to them here. Uh, by the way, they are in all kinds of trouble because of the things they're doing. And one of the problems is they're not, they're not giving their tithe. But he says this. He says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now what's God saying? God is saying, Prove me, test me. Put me to the test. See if I won't pour you out a blessing. That, though, that you won't be able to hold, it's that big. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now listen, if you have tithes faithfully to the Lord, you know, you, you can, I believe that. I believe that to be true. That, that God actually does that in your life. And you say, you say, well, does that mean you're going to be rich? No, it doesn't mean you're going to be rich. But it does mean there's going to be blessing. And there's going to be lots of blessing in your life. And giving is always going to be an issue of faith. When it comes to giving 10%, it's always going to be an issue of faith for you. You're always going to look at it and say, I have so many other needs. 
but I'm going to give it to the Lord. And you're always going to say at the end of the day, it's the best thing to do. It's the best thing to do to give to the Lord. <clears throat> because God takes care of you. And he says, test him. So, so, so here's what he says to you, because you're not tithing right now. Test him out on us. Start tithing. See if you're poorer because you tithe than you were before you start tithing. Just, just try it out. And that means it doesn't matter how big your tithe is. It doesn't matter how much money it is. See if you're poorer because you tithe than you were before you start tithing. What you're going to find is, no, you're not. Because God pours out a blessing in our lives. And you see, here's what God says. God says, give me the 10% and I will pour you out a blessing. That the, that, uh, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. That's a bountiful return. That's a bountiful return in your life. You know, if, we were to, if you could get out of your head that I'm the pastor of the church here uh, for a minute, and you could just take the truth straight as what it's saying. You know what? This is the best deal of your life. This is the best deal you're ever going to find anywhere God says, I will give you a bountiful return. All right. Uh, picture number three. <clears throat> Matthew 19, verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or land, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now here's what the disciples are asking Jesus, you know, <clears throat> the other, other people have walked away, and they're saying, well, what will we have? And Jesus says, okay, let me tell you what you're going to have. And he says, a <clears throat> um, hundredfold. Right? A hundredfold. Now, if you set up an investment company and you said, I will guarantee you a hundredfold return, right? That means if you give me a euro, I'm going to give you back a hundred. You'd invest. You'd, you'd actually, you'd borrow money to put in that, in, in that. But the problem is you'd borrow money to be put in that and you'd find it was a, it was a scam. Because nobody can do that. Nobody can give you a hundredfold. But God can. And God does. And what God says is, if you'll do it, I will. That he will give you a hundredfold. That you will not be shortchanged. That in fact you will gain if you give to the Lord. That you will be blessed if you give to him. God does that in our lives all the time. And by the way, notice the verse. <clears throat> Forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children. Relationships are key in there. What does God do when he takes over the relationships in your life? When you come to the Lord, don't you end up Giving up a lot of the relationships in your life? It doesn't matter who you are. You, you, you do, because what happens is you find um, people just don't like the new you. If you really let the Lord work in your heart and life, he takes away a, a lot of the friendships in your life. But you know what he does? He restores them. He keeps you better. That's what God does. You know, uh, houses and lands. I, I remember very clearly in my life, I remember very clearly in my life, Standing one day, I was thinking about this this morning, <clears throat> we had a house around Glen Cargill, gotten saved and gotten called into the, into the ministry and we were going to America to train for the ministry. And I remember standing in the yard of the house uh, that <clears throat> there was an extension on it that I had built for Val because we were in the years when, that, when there were babies and there wasn't enough space. There was a yard that was for my vans to come in. There was a, a shed that I built with my dad that was for uh, my produce and so on. And it was my house. I was very identified with my house. And I remember standing with my foot against the wall, looking at it and saying, because we were going to America, it, it was sold, we were going to America, and I'm thinking, I may never own another house. I may never own another house. 
This, 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 this is it. Nah, I, you know, I wasn't kind of going back on it, but I was weighing the cost on it. But you know what? I do own a house. I own a better house. And I wonder if I had stayed in that house with all my plans for making money and everything else, where, where I'd be living today. I don't think I'd be living as well. I wander around our place sometimes and I look at and I say, Lord, thank you. I shouldn't be here. Thank you for this place. I shouldn't be in a place like this. You see, you never give up anything for God that God doesn't give you back bountifully for. Never. <clears throat> but what, what's in our hearts and in our minds is to hold on. But I think when we get the principle of giving, when we get the idea that, you know, listen, the more we can give, <clears throat> the better it is, the more blessings come in our lives. God takes care of us. We are never shortchanged because of what we give to God. God takes care of us. And you'll not be shortchanged if you decide to give to God this year as far as faith promise is concerned, as far as missions are concerned. God will give back to you. All right, one last picture. Luke 6.38. <clears throat> give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. What does God say? He says, listen, you give first. That's always the way. You give first. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. That you give, and God says, I will cause men to give to you. I will cause men, I, I will work it out into your life so that, so, so that men will give. Now, listen, what... What we're doing is we're looking at straight scripture and we could look at a whole lot of other passages that, that basically tell us the same thing. But, but here's the truth. When you give, God gives back to you, but God gives back bountifully. God gives back bountifully. And by the way, it's not all money. Don't, 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 you know, don't, 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 don't dole out the money uh, and say, okay, well, I'm going to give God 50 euros and then he's going to give me back... <clears throat> A hundred times that. But listen, God's much bigger than money. And you know what? If you've lived any length of time, blessings are much bigger than money. Money's not the blessing everybody thinks it is. But God says he will take care of you. He will bless you. And there are many in this room that could actually testify and say, yeah, it's true. I've given and God has given back. I've given and God has taken care of it. And when it comes to <clears throat> us looking at faith promise, and when it comes to us looking at giving, next week. Let me encourage you. Listen, it's not a tax. You can walk away this morning and you can say, yeah, no, the church looking for money. <clears throat> I, you can do that. No, nobody's, listen, there's nobody going after you to examine your mind and see what's on your mind as far as this thing is concerned. Or you can go away and in your heart say, you know what, there's something in this. I'm going to test God out. I'm going to give the tithe. If you're not giving the tithe, give the tithe. Give the 10% first. And I'm going to give something else to missions. It may not be much. It may be the widow's mite. It may be a lot because it's a lot to you, but it's not a lot in terms of money. I'm going to give the widow's mite. And watch what God does in your life. You see, <clears throat> what we have is we have a Savior who has poured out blessing upon blessing upon blessing in our lives. All right? And he comes to us and he says to us, okay, let's see if you really trust me. Let's see if you really trust me. I want you to give. I want you to give ridiculously, but I want you to give. 
I want you to give the tithe, and I want you to give as far as faith promise is concerned. I want you to trust me and see if I won't keep my end of it and fulfill the blessing in your life. And you know what? When you say yes and you begin to give, and you get a spirit for giving, by the way, it gets hard to, it gets hard to stop. But when you get a spirit for giving, listen, there is blessing in your life, and there will be blessing coming from all angles in your life. You know, <clears throat> we, 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 we live in a selfish age. Not every people in every age have been selfish, but we live in a very selfish age. We live in an age when it's all about me. We live in an age when I get what I want, and I get lots of what I want. We, we, we live in an age when, you know, we're expecting people to give to us. And God asks you to go right countergrain across the culture. God asks you to trust him and to give and see what he's going to do in your life. And you know what? When you start giving, you find it is truly joyful. God loveth a cheerful giver. It will do wondrous works in your life. God will be pleased. The missionaries on the other end of it will be blessed. And you will find the work God does in your life is probably the most amazing thing of all. So God asks you to trust him in this area and to begin to give. Don't, don't just bat it off. Don't just kind of, uh, you know, get stirred and say, and then just let it all settle down. Trust God with it. I would ask you, make a commitment next week. I'm not, no, nobody's going to force you to make, but make a commitment. Make a commitment. And... Make a commitment that you're going to do something this year and see what God is going to do in your life. I stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your, your word as far as giving is concerned. Now, Lord, would you bless your people. Lord, I, I, I have no ability to communicate your heart as far as giving is concerned. But, oh, blessed Holy Spirit, you do. Now, Lord, would you work in hearts and lives? Would you deal with us? Would you help us, Lord, to get a handle on your desire for us to give? And, Lord, may we see you and may we see your blessing. And, Lord, may you be pleased. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me ask you just to, to raise a hand on this one. Has God spoken to you this morning? Has God spoken to you and you would say, listen, I'm going to do something this year. I'm going to do something maybe a little bit different. I'm going to start doing something, but I'm going to do something this year. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. I see your hands. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for uh, your word to your people. Lord, bless. Lord, may we truly walk with you in this year and see blessing in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.